So, from the last podcast, you may recall that I was transported to the University of Maryland via ambulance. Just when you think you're in the clear, life just kind of gives you a reality check. And that's exactly what happened. I ended up in a emergency situation where they had to put a drain in my brain before I was really even admitted. Um, I had to sign a paper. My husband was taken out of the room. And... A student, a resident, came in and was talking to the head neurosurgeon and tapping on my forehead. He was tapping, tapping on my forehead, telling the resident to make sure that he drilled the hole in the right spot of my skull. So I lay there in the chair and actually... A few more residents had come into the room. Of course, this was a teaching hospital, so this was a teaching moment for a lot of the residents. The one that was responsible for drilling into my head, um, I remember saying to the neurosurgeon, you know, I sure hope that you guys have like put some kind of marker or something on my head so that he doesn't get the wrong spot. And I remember people laughing um, because I was making jokes. I ended up with a drain in my, a temporary drain that was releasing the fluid in my brain. And I waited. Um, I couldn't believe that this was happening now. I found myself in the ICU uh, on narcotics, watching the, the wallpaper run down the wall. Um, I remember asking the nurses, don't give me whatever you just gave me. I don't want to take that anymore. Um, I didn't like not being in control of what was happening to me. And that was one of the hardest things probably with dealing with all of it was not having control. So I think within 48 hours, uh, it may have been within 24, I honestly don't recall, but um, I had woken up and after I think they gave me something to to take the pain and I had four IVs in I had obviously multiple nurse changes I don't think that the ICU is used to having people that are conscious and I say that because the majority of the nurses 
I think they forgot that I could feel. And I know I may get flack for being real. But some of them definitely should take a different position in life. Um, they were not caring, compassionate. And maybe partly it's because they're used to dealing with people that are unconscious. And maybe part of it is because they are in a career, a, a position that requires care and compassion all the time. And I can't imagine how demanding that is for nurses. So while at one point, one part of me is really criticizing the care that I received, because while there were some that were amazing, um, there were more that were not amazing to me. And I just think that that's something that needs to be addressed as patients, as people that have your family members being taken care of by complete strangers. You are hoping that they are in the best care. Um, I remember one nurse came in at like two o'clock in the morning and I think that I had just fallen asleep Again, four IVs in, a drain in my brain, the leg pulsers on my legs, um, the tabs, you know, the, what are they, the sensors that are taking your heart rate and your pulse all up and down my body. So I had wires just all over the place. And I remember being asked multiple times, you know, you need to get some sleep. How come, you know, have you slept? Are you, are you sleeping? <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm not sleeping. Um, and I would ask the nurse to turn the light off. And it never failed that the light would go off. I would drift off and then literally flip. The bright lights popped on in the room. And it was as if there was sunshine all around me. And I do remember, I think, the second or third day, I actually um, got a little angry with one of the nurses and said, could you turn the light off, please? You have a light over your computer. Use it. You don't need the freaking 10 lights in this room on my face to give me an Advil. Um, I don't think she appreciated my tone, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I also think maybe she forgot, you know, I, I had, I didn't have a lot of sleep. Um, I'm now away from my kids again. My kids could not come to the ICU because of their age. So here we are again in another position where I'm away from the people I care about the most. I'm alone. And I've just got a suck it up buttercup.
I am so gracious for the people that visited me. And I say that with the ultimate feeling because I do not know that I would have done the same for you. I don't like hospitals, especially knowing that someone was in shock trauma. I do not think that I would have gone to see you. And with that said, that's how much I appreciate the fact that you came. I had people bring food. Really amazing. My favorite stuff. Milkshakes. And oh, the best hamburger. Oh, it was so greasy. It was fantastic. Sherry, oh, I'll be forever grateful for that. Cindy brought me a blackened chicken sandwich from Nacho Mama's. Oh my gosh, it was my favorite thing. I mean, I was just surrounded by care, compassion, kindness, and I had to do something with that. That's kind of how the screen printing began. I had the inhale goodness, exhale kindness message already created from like a year prior. It was just an idea. And now here I am not knowing if I'm going to be able to return to work in a timely fashion and how we're going to pay the bills. That's where we we ended up. I literally ordered a screen printing kit from Amazon. Yes, that's how it all started. I got on to a screen printing Facebook group for newbies and that's how I met Victor. The amount of kindness and free advice and how he just completely was there for me to get me started and answer any ridiculous questions that I had and I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes and he was there for every single one to tell me what I did wrong and what I could try again. So part of my healing became focusing on screen printing and focusing on the fact that I had this message and now I wanted to get it out to whoever I could. That's how we got here. What started as a self-motivated message. That's what my inhale goodness, exhale kindness message was for me. I created that to help me focus on the good things around me and become more of a positive part of the energy in the universe. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I did that for me. I had posted kind acts on, on a website. I did I already had a website before I started screen printing. And I just made it about trying to pay it forward, share stories of kindness. Um, and then after my ordeal 
and being surrounded by the intense love and kindness that I was, so many people said to me, what you have put out in the universe the previous few years is coming back to you times a thousand. And I really believe that. And I'm grateful. So I hope you stay tuned. We're going to have more podcasts featuring people with other stories, other journeys of human will, survivorship, and overcoming challenges. I hope you'll stay tuned and keep following along for additional podcasts so that we can continue to connect and feel it all. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Kindness Tree Movement. Life-inspired designs that give back. We're more than apparel. We're a movement. Go to kindnesstreemovement.com today.